Welcome. As Aaron mentioned, talking, it's a series on faith and risk. It looks at our lives individually, our families, but also how are we doing this as a church? How do we make and manage these steps of faith and risk together as a church family and some of the challenges that we are looking at? Now, let me ask you a question. What's the riskiest thing you've ever done? What's the riskiest thing you ever have done? Uh, in just a couple of weeks, uh, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to that question, but I want you to begin thinking about that now. What's the riskiest thing you have ever done? Some of you, it's like, ooh, oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, others might take a little bit of contemplation. Now, uh, some would say that Cindy and I are risk takers the way we've lived our lives. Uh, there's been some lows and some highs for us when it comes to this idea of risk taking. I uh, rolled the clock back a few years ago when uh, set as a goal, we'd like to learn how to scuba dive. Sounds good, right? So I said, well, we're in Thailand. Uh, The Seminole Lions is one of the top 10 diving spots in the world. So I said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it right. So uh, we got on a liveaboard. A liveaboard is a small vessel in which uh, you dive. You get up in the morning, you dive, you eat breakfast, rest, lunch, dive again, wait a little while, and then you do a night dive. So you're diving three times. And then the boat chugs along to another part of uh, the Simulans. And uh, Jacques Cousteau said it's one of the most amazing dive sites in the world. And so that's the way we learn how to scuba dive. If you're going to do it, just do it, right? Just do it. Just do it. So uh, that was amazing experience uh, with sharks and uh, all kinds of different sea creatures. Uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Love scuba diving, right? Uh, on the other hand, uh, one of the highs was for pastor appreciation, this congregation, I don't know what you guys really think of me, but they gave us a skydiving package. And so uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we went from the low to the high, and uh, oh, that's a little different as well. Uh, they say when you are skydiving, uh, when you are hanging on to the wing and uh, about to let go is one of the most frightening moments of your entire life. And within a matter of seconds when you're in free fall, it becomes one of the most exhilarating moments in your entire life. Just like that, from here to there. And all you have to do is let go. All you have to do is let go. And so skydiving, yeah, that's fun too. That's fun, too. So uh, I'll be sharing with you some other risky things that we've done. Some of it hasn't turned out so well. Because as we mentioned, anytime you take a risk, there's a possibility of failure. In fact, you better expect to fail when you take a risk because that's a part of it. Okay? And so as we think about this, my question remains, uh, are you a risk taker? What is a risk taker? By definition, uh, we've established this. A risk taker is someone who is uh, willing to do things that involve danger or risk and the important part, in order to achieve a goal. In order to achieve a goal. This separates us from the adrenaline junkies or thrill seekers uh, who simply do this to get the rush. Uh, There is actually a goal as to why we do this right? There's a goal. And so we say, if here's the goal, we're going to count the costs as uh, we looked at a few weeks ago. Uh, I've got to take risks in order to get and reach that goal. 
Am I willing to take that risk to reach that goal? That becomes the question in all of life, right? Uh, Spiritually, uh, financially, uh, career, all those things uh, we can put in that category. Now, here are some characteristics of a risk taker just in general. So if I ask, are you a risk taker, kind of use this as a checklist. Uh, Generally, risk takers have a lower level of fear and an elevated level of faith. So, in other words, uh, they count the cost. Yes, there is some fear, some concern, some doubt. Uh, but the goal is what's primary. And that will overcome, then, this sense of fear. Right? And so they're seeing life a little bit differently. Secondly, uh, risk takers are creators, not spectators. And keep a big picture vision of the mission. In other words... Uh, The goal is out there. Am I willing to take the risk to get there? And in order to get there, I can't sit as a couch potato and hope that it happens. I've got to be a creator in order to get to that goal. I have to innovate. I have to take risks, right? And I know that just sitting around is not going to make it happen. It's just not. And some of us choose a spectator kind of life. Others are are more engaged and say, no, I want to play the game. And so generally, risk takers uh, have this element of creativity. Here's the goal. I'm going to have to navigate this to get to that goal. Thirdly, they have a sense of adventure and a desire to try new things. They have a sense of adventure. A sense of adventure. And I hope that you do. Even if it's in the simplest things. Uh, There's times when I'll just drive home a different way. Why? Because I can. Now, is my goal the same to get home? Yeah. But I'm going to take a different route to get there, to break out of the staleness and boredom and stagnation that life becomes unless we look at being a creator and not a spectator. So just little kinds of things, right? Right? Uh, Number four, they can make decisions impulsively. This is kind of the negative side of risk-taking. Can make decisions impulsively and at times plow forward impatiently. Impatiently. So if you've got a risk-taker in your sphere of influence or if you are, uh, generally these folk want to make it happen and make it happen like right now. And so we've got to kind of back up and say, ooh, let me think about this just for a moment. Jesus said, count the cost. Count the cost. Here's the goal. That's right. But take your time. Take your time, right? <laughs> and some of us who are impatient, that's difficult. Number five, they're very curious about why things the way they are, and they challenge the status quo. Why are things like this? I think it's a great question. Why do we do it this way? Because we've always done it this way? Why? Why? And, and then there's a, this sense of challenge as to, okay, this is the way we have done it. Maybe there's a better way of doing it. You ever think about that? Are we willing to take that risk in order for that to happen? Hmm, okay. And lastly, they are able to shake off and learn from failure, understanding that failure is not final. A couple of messages in a couple of weeks down the road, I'm going to look at this one in a little more depth. Failure is not final. When we do say, I'm going to take the risk, there is going to be failure. And I'll be sharing some of those from my own personal experience. Uh, what risks have I taken? Uh, yeah, it's fun to jump out of an airplane. Why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Uh, but, but the point being... If we're going to take risks, there are going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. Is it worth it? Hmm. So, let me ask you. If you stacked yourself up against that list, are you a risk taker? 
Some of you are. Some of you are sitting next to a risk taker and wish they weren't so much, right? (laughs) But what about God? That's what's important here. Is God a risk taker? Uh, That's what we've been discussing these last few weeks. I really think that he is. He created Adam and Eve knowing full well they would disobey him. They would turn their backs on him. They would reject him. He created them knowing he would do that. And in that similar vein and thought, he knew about the suffering and pain and heartbreak my disobedience and your disobedience would cause him. And yet he created you and me in his image knowing what we would do with the love that he offers. He made a choice to risk. He took about risk taker. It was a staggering risk, I believe, with absolutely staggering consequences. Why? Because he led us into a story and he allows us to make our own choices. He allows us to make our own choices. Now, that's risky. Just ask anyone who has children and you watch them growing up, right? And you've got to let the rope out more and more and more so that they grow. And yes, they're going to fall. Yes, they're going to get hurt. Uh, yes, things will happen. And yet we have to do that. We have to do that. We have to take the risk of letting them go. We have to take the risk of allowing them to discover who they are. And uh, we have to take the risk of them making some pretty dumb choices. I don't know about you. You kids make some dumb choices once in a while? Yeah. Yeah. Just like you did. Just like I still do. (laughs) Just ask my mom. Okay. But I believe that God is a risk taker by nature. Now, most people, most people are, are not risk takers, big risk takers. But I think we all have this element in us. Why? Because if you have come into relationship with God through his son, uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, we take on his character and his nature. And if God is a risk taker by nature and by character, then that divine nature that is in us also emulates and is a reflection of our father's character. And if God is a risk taker, what does that mean about you as his child? Are we risk takers? Are we programmed that way once we're born from above uh, through faith in Jesus and his completed work on the cross? Is that where we are? Maybe we need to be a little bit more like our Heavenly Father, but I do know this. There are risk takers in this room. There are. And I appreciate that. I I look back at Milo and I think, man, uh, starting your own business, that was a huge risk. A huge risk. And watch him work and struggle, setting that goal and taking the risk. It's been a marvelous process to behold. And his goal was provide for his family. And he's done that. I admire that. Uh, maybe you fostered a child or, or maybe something simpler like starting up a conversation about spiritual things with a coworker you know isn't a God-fearing person. That's risky. Or maybe you stopped to help someone in need. And you saw that and you responded to it. You took a risk to stop and help someone. Those are all little bite-sized life risks. The point is this. It's not the size of the risk that we take. It's all about who we're taking the risk for. Who are we taking this risk for? What's the goal out there? So we think about this. Peter took a risk. He took a risk to get to Jesus. 
and he walked on water. That's our passage. We've been in Matthew chapter 14. If you have your Bible or electronic device, I'm going to read again a little different version uh, each time we look at this passage of Scripture. I think it kind of rounds it out. So we're in Matthew chapter 14, beginning of verse 22. I hope by the time we're done with this series, it becomes very, very familiar to you. Okay? Matthew fourteen twenty two. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Ah, you have little faith, he said. Why'd you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now, last time I shared with you, the disciples found themselves in a very dangerous place, in a very dangerous moment, in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. We've talked about the Sea of Galilee and all that kind of stuff. Peter was about to go overboard to get to Jesus. That's where we left it. Earlier, they had witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. They saw Jesus at the peak of his popularity. Let's make you king, Jesus. And, And then been told, get in the boat, travel across the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. You go there. I'm going this way. Jesus heads out for a little solo mountaineering in order to get some peace and quiet and pray. And so that's the scenario we find ourselves. And while he's praying, disciples are churning away, fighting this ferocious storm, trying to get to shore. The storm had pushed them out into the middle of the lake. So completely exhausted, they were now rowing for about nine consecutive hours. And if you've been on a rowing machine for any amount of time, you know it's exhausting. But they're nine hours into this thing. They had just witnessed, they just passed out all the food, right, to feed the 5,000, which is probably 15,000. They were exhausted, right? So now they see this shadowy figure walking toward them on the water. Kind of freaky, kind of freaky. They think it's a ghost. They cry out like frightened children. Who would blame them? And so Jesus tells them, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Don't be afraid, and this is what we looked at last week. Don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. And it's the presence of the Lord that stills the storm within us no matter what's happening around us, right? And I trust that you will hear him say very clearly in the storm that's going on in your heart right now, take courage, don't be afraid, I'm here. And that's got to be enough, doesn't it? If he's with us, who can be against us? And if he is for us, who can stand against him, right? Anyway, Peter understood it was safer to be with Jesus on the water than to be without him in the boat. So he says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. 
So Jesus in this moment acknowledges Peter's faith. He invites him into the unknown, just like the song we just sang, right? On the water, right? Into the unknown comes the invitation. Peter took the risk to climb out of the boat, and he starts now walking toward Jesus. Okay, we've got to, get to kind of get this picture then in our minds. Often God's method for growing our faith is to put us in the boat and then ask us to get out of the boat. Why? I don't know. I don't know why he does this. But I know in my life, over and over again, Jesus says, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Okay, I, that's easy. I'm going to get in the boat. That's nice. Okay, we're going to row, and we're going to go, and this is going to be great. Fantastic. But then Jesus says, get out of the boat. Well, he just asked me to get in the boat. I don't care. Get out of the boat. I, can't, I don't want to get out of the boat. I want to stay in the boat because you asked me to get in the boat. So I'm doing what you said. I'm going to stay in the boat, Jesus. No, get out of the boat. Come. Ah, ah, I'm not getting out there. So we get this tug of war going on inside. God, make up your mind. Do you want me in the boat? Do you want me out of the boat? In fact, we're going to go back in the boat after you ask me to get out of the boat. And he's always doing this heart check on us. Are you willing? Are you willing to do what I say? You don't understand it. It's unknown to you. I got it all figured out. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Get in the boat. Get out of the boat. Oh, here we go again. So where are you right now in your life? You in the boat? You out of the boat? What's he asking of you to do? Get in or get out? He's asking us to do one of the two all the time. Get in the boat. Get out of the boat. Okay, okay. So the call to get out of the boat involves crisis and opportunity, often failure, sometimes fear, sometimes suffering. But it's always a God-sized assignment. It's always too big for us to handle. When he says, get out of the boat, I guarantee you it's too much. It's over the top. It's pushing us to the limits here. But I found there's no better way or faster way to grow than to get out of the boat. Get out of the boat when he asks us to get out of the boat. It would be cool if the story ended here, but there's so much more. It's not just about Peter making that step out onto the water. There's a whole lot more to come. Now, spiritually, I know that following Jesus means I must take faith-filled risks. It's got to be that way. That's the way that he lived. That's the way he expects us to live. It's the way to consistent growth so that my faith doesn't wither and die. Because if you don't get out of the boat, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's the way my faith develops. It's the way that my faith grows. It's in those moments when I make the choice to get out of the boat. It's how I learned to obey and follow God who took a huge, huge risk. Thank you, Lord. Who took a huge risk with me when he died on the cross for my sins. And he took that risk on my behalf. Why in the world would I question when he asked me to get out of the boat when he risked it all for me? Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Now, I believe there are many good reasons to get out of the boat. But there's one that's the greatest. The water may be dark and dangerous. The storm might be severe But that's where Jesus is. Jesus is not in the boat. And if he asks you to get out of the boat, that means he's exited the boat. And I would just as soon be where Jesus is out of the boat as without him in the boat. You follow what I'm saying? Jesus is not in the boat. He's left it. He's walking toward us, but he's walking on the water. He's not in the boat. Huh. Huh. 
When disciples saw the water-walking Jesus, they were terrified. I get that. Who wouldn't have been? I think we all would have, right? If I were there, exhausted to the point of collapse, I can't do this anymore. The waves coming over the side of the boat, this is just a little fishing boat, right? And so I'm peering out in the storm, and I say, hello? Hello? Um, and so I'm peering out into the storm, and I see this shadowy figure coming towards me. Now understand the rain, the wind, everything's beating against my face. is still dark out. I can hardly see. I'm totally exhausted, right? And here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. I would have said something like, Jesus, get in the boat and calm the storm. Come on in, Jesus. You did it before back in Matthew chapter 8, right? <laughs> uh, Calm the storm. Get in the boat, Jesus. Get in the boat. But of course, Peter speaks first and speaks up and says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. I'd be like, really, dude? Are you serious? You're going to get out of the boat. Why do you doing something dumb like getting out of the boat and going to him? Jesus, I need you in my boat so I can be comfy and secure so the storm will be calm. Jesus, come in my boat. Come in my boat. I'm too scared to get out of the boat. So you come in my boat, Jesus. And we start playing it on our terms rather than his. And all the while, he's saying like he did to Peter, yeah, it's me, come. Come. That kind of leaves us with a choice. So, here we find the 12 huddled together in the USS Comfort Zone. Their world's being rocked by a storm, but they're still in the boat. Peter comes out. Now, sometimes God has to rock our boat to get us out of the comfort zone. It's any good. And we cling to the boat. And he says, okay, you want to stay in the boat? Watch what's going to happen to the boat. The boat's going to start rocking. Because I want you out of the boat. So, as Aaron said, what's your boat? What's your boat? What gives you security outside of God? Let me ask you this. When's the last time you were afraid? Life threw something at you, and maybe you're living it right in this moment. When was the last time you were afraid? Think about where you turned to restore your sense of serenity and security. Where did you turn? Now, of course, we're in church. We're going to say, I turned to Jesus. Yeah, okay. Okay, really? Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's a family member or friend, food, social media, shopping, excessive working, exercising, drinking, more possessions. I, we can put all kinds of stuff on this, right? Where did you turn the last time you were afraid? And that'll be a good indicator of what's going on in our heart. And God says, out of the boat. So last Sunday afternoon, right? I'm watching Vivi. She's my two-year-old granddaughter. And uh, I'm in the garage, and Vivi's doing this Play-Doh thing on the deck, right? So this jet comes in low and passes right over. And I hear her yelling, Papa! Papa! And here she comes running in the garage. And I said, what's the matter? I'm afraid! I'm afraid! I'm afraid! I said, Vivi, look. Come on, let's go out and look up in the sky. You can see it go. And she's just staring up there. And in that moment, I thought, how often am I like that? Where do I run when I'm afraid? Where do I run? Do I run to Papa? 
Or do I run somewhere else for my sense of security and serenity to bring some sense of normalcy to this chaos we call life? Where am I turning? I want to be more like my two-year-old granddaughter. Papa, Papa, I'm afraid. It's going to be okay. We just hug you. I'm just going to hug you. It's going to be okay. Right? Now understand, comfort zones aren't all bad. They give us a place and a sense of security and stability. But as I mentioned, comfort zones can also become a prison. They often can become a prison. Throughout my years in ministry, I've had the opportunity to visit many prisons across the country. It's a part of my occupation. The inmates don't have to make a whole lot of decisions. Most of the decisions are made for the inmates. They don't have to worry about paying the rent. They don't have to worry about putting a roof over their head. They don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. Though they may not like it, they know where it's coming from because all those things are provided. They're all provided. And a primary reason so many relapse and go back into a life of crime after their release is they can't get past the security that prison provides them. Prison provides them security. Do you follow what I'm saying here? Prison provides them security. Are we much different? (laughs) The jail designed to be their punishment becomes their comfort zone, becomes their boat. Their boat where they're safe and secure. And that's a very real danger for each of us. We can become imprisoned to our comfort zones thinking that's what God wants. Not necessarily true. These comfort zones when they become our prison, can keep us then from the incredible journey God has for us if we're willing to leave the boat and take the risk. Because Jesus is not in the boat. He's out in the storm, and he's calling us to come to him. He's saying, get out of the boat. I don't want to get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Now, God puts many of his richest blessings, I found, just outside of our comfort zone. And then he says, come and get them. Come and get them. But they're outside of our comfort zone. I don't know if I can do that. Come and get them. They're here. They're here for the taking. Just take the risk. Step out. Step out. Now, if we want to get things done for the kingdom, or we want to go places for God and make a difference, we will probably have to do some things we've never done before. That's just the way it works. That means we've got to leave the comfort zone of the boat behind. Now, maybe where you are in life right now, You need to do something you've never done before. And you know what? With a whole lot of people, they don't take the risk of breaking through that comfort zone and getting out of that boat because of the fear of failure. Or they're afraid of what others might think. We're going to expand on this in a couple of weeks. We might end up failing. We might end up worse off than we are. We might be embarrassed or ashamed because we thought this was God and we did this. So we prefer the comfort of the boat. Only putting our faith in action will shatter the stronghold of fear in our lives. Only when we actually step out over the rail and onto the water Will we shatter these lies that imprison us and limit us from doing what God wants for us and through us? Now, when Jesus told Peter to get out of the boat and come to him, Peter was looking right at Jesus. Jesus is there. He's out in the water. The storm's going on, right? And Jesus said, come, 
So I imagine if I were Peter, I'd be looking right at Jesus, right at Jesus. And he knew Jesus was calling him to do this crazy thing. But please understand this. When we get out of the boat, we don't get out of it to get out of our comfort zone. You don't get out of the boat just to get out of the boat. You're probably going to go for a swim, right? You're not going to water walk. If we're getting out of the boat, just to get out of our comfort zone, be careful. Let me repeat that. We get out of the boat in order to stay in God's will. Jesus is saying, come. That's what he wants. That's his will. If we are in obedience, taking this risk for him, then great things are going to happen. But we don't get out of the boat just to exit our comfort zone. We exit the boat because Jesus is not in the boat and he's calling us to come to him. Make sense? Just be careful with this. Now, Jesus is inviting each of us and all of us to come and step out in the water. I really believe that. I believe within every Jesus follower, there's this God-sized impossible thing that he's putting his finger on. And we wrestle with that. And we wrestle with that. Is this God? Is it, is it just me? This is so crazy. Maybe it's so crazy you've never told anyone. But you've been wrestling with Jesus a long time for this. You know what he's asking you to do. He's saying, come, come, come. Ah, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. What are we going to do? Are we going to let our past or others or fear dictate the terms of our life? Are you satisfied with that? I hope not. I hope not. Are we willing to take a risk and get out of the boat? Or will it be another day, another year, another lifetime, cowering down in the bottom of that nasty-smelling fishing boat? Whoo, we're living large now. But it's safe in here. It's so safe in here. Oh, yes, I prefer this to that. Are you kidding? Maybe there was a time when you were walking on the water on a regular basis. Maybe you've been a Jesus follower for... A few years now. When's the last time you got out of the boat? For some of us, we haven't been out of the boat in a long time. Why? We now have a really nice boat. It's not a stinky fishing boat, this little thing. No, 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 no. We got a really nice boat with padded deck chairs and stabilizers so you never get seasick, even if there is a storm. It's really nice. It's comfy. I would never get out of this now. Look it, I've worked all my life to get this nice boat. This boat is really, really cool. And we may have gotten really comfortable just enjoying life in our boat. Isn't this grand? And Jesus is still looking for people who will risk getting out of the boat he is still looking for people who will get out of the boat i don't care how long you've walked with jesus doesn't make any difference my question to you is this what's he saying to you what's he saying to you is that you is that us collectively as we look at some of the stuff we've been uh, Moving toward as a church. Is he asking all of us collectively to get out of the boat? Is it now? Is this the time? And so I ask, what will you say to Jesus when he invites you to come? Come. 
He's not in the boat. He's waiting for us to step out on the water where feet may fail into the unknown. You ready for this? It's going to be good. Let's pray.